Welcome to Love Punch, challenging entrepreneurs, artists, and thought leaders to make a lasting impact. I'm your host, Ruby Fremont, and I'm here as a catalyst for you, the new generation of thought leaders. I'm a kick-ass life coach, a bullshit detector, and courageous communicator. I'll show you how to take bold action and create massive impact through a powerful process that I call CPR. Courage, persistence, and resilience to go after what you really fucking want. It's time to unapologetically do what you're here to do and do it your way. So get ready and let's make shit happen. Hey everyone, I am so fucking excited to be here on my first official podcast. It feels like it's taken me forever to get here, but I'm here, I am fucking doing this, and I couldn't be more excited. So why am I here? That's a really good fucking question. Well, I'm here to help you own your voice and create a bigger impact. What I know for certain is that this is my mission, it's my purpose, and it's one that I've been working towards my entire life. In fact, every single experience that I've lived through, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it has equipped me with the tools that I need to do the work that I do today. I can actually look back at my past and see that. My my pain has become my power, my wounds have become my wisdom, All of these experiences have served me. You know, there was a time when I used to think that life happened to me, but now I realize life happens for me. And life happens for you too. The good, the bad, the ugly, it's all happening for you. Now, my story is the reason that I'm doing what I do with such passion and drive. My unshakable commitment, my undeniable persistence, and my radical resilience has altogether brought me here to you to show you how to cultivate CPR, which is courage, persistence, and resilience, to own your voice and to create a bigger impact. Now, Love Punch is all about rising up into leadership. It's about delivering radical advice with a punch to the face, because that's just my jam. For those of you who have been following me on social media for a while, you know this. I'm straight up to the point, blunt as fuck, because I want to rise up above the noise, right? There are too many people out there preaching the same fucking bullshit and candy coating it. And and that's not what life is about. Life is not candy coated. You know, nothing is delivered sugar-coated. It, it, life, when life happens, it's a fucking tornado. And so I believe in delivering real, honest, raw advice that's going to sh- kick your ass into gear so you can go after the shit that you want. But what's important to understand is that I wasn't always this way. You know, quite often, especially in our generation, you know, the social media generation. We're so used to seeing people's highlight reels. And I'm not about that. I want to share my pain. I want to share my wounds. I want to share what I've been through and what I still go through. Because that's fucking real. And the world needs more real, right? We need more real. And, And I don't want to just share my highlight reel with you. So I want to share with you my story. So you can have a deeper understanding of of 
why I do what I do and what it took to actually get to this point. Because that's really important to understand. I don't want you to think that I just woke up one day and poof, my life was fucking amazing. Because that's not the case. And I know, I know that all of you listening have a story. All of you have a story. And no one's story is better or worse than another person's. It's all relative. But our story is where we can gather our tools. And it's a really powerful thing to begin to own your story. So let me share mine with you. It all started when I was 12 and I, I was living with depression, anxiety and anxiety, and I was partaking in habits of self-harm, cutting. And back then in the 80s and 90s, it wasn't something that was talked about, right? Like no one talked about mental illness at that time. And to, <laughs> to make things even more difficult, I was raised in a conservative culture. I am 100% Punjabi, Sikh. Um, which is Indian for those of you who don't know. And we didn't talk about mental illness. We didn't, we didn't talk about our feelings. And so anytime I found myself speaking authentically about what I was experiencing, I would be shut down. You know, I would be shut down. Anytime I cried, I would be shut down. And I know there's a lot of you who have been told in your lifetime by your parents, you know, don't cry, be strong. And it's tough. You know, it's tough being shut down when you're just trying to express how you feel and it's just being misunderstood. So I quieted my voice after that and I just refused to share what I was really going through. I hid a lot of things. You know, I was the rebellious child. I did things behind my parents' back. Mind you, I would get caught every single time because I was really fucking bad at it. But I just created this habit of of lying to myself, of, of hiding my truth, of quieting my voice, of playing small. That was my habit. Now I got married at a really young age, at the age of 20, at the age of 20. <laughs> um, it wasn't a, an, an arranged marriage. It was something that we had decided. Um, and that's when shit really hit the fan. Literally the day we came back from our honeymoon, shit hit the fan. And I went through a massive and incredibly painful falling out with one of my two older brothers. And it was one of those situations, you know, he said, she said, but a lot of what him and his girlfriend were saying about me was untrue, completely untrue. And because of the type of person I was, you know, I was very passive. I would just apologize for everything. I was saying sorry to things I didn't do. I was saying sorry just to, to make things better. I, you know, I just found myself in this situation where I felt like I was labeled the scapegoat for creating drama in the family. And, and very few people in my family believed me. They all really chose to believe him. Because again, growing up, people misunderstood who I was, right? I was labeled as moody. I was labeled as stubborn. And it was really easy to label me as a scapegoat, to, to put the blame on me in the situation. I can see that. But it just... It didn't feel good. It wasn't fair. And again, like I felt like my voice wasn't heard. So I quit trying. I quit trying to convince people of my innocence. I quit trying. And I ended up getting really sick at the age of 22. I saw a bunch of different specialists and I was diagnosed at that time with PTSD, depression, anxiety disorder, fibromyalgia, and rheumatoid arthritis. 
Now, all of that emotional pain that I was going through had manifested physically. And there were days where I, I mean, I couldn't even get out of bed because the fibro was so incredibly painful. So what did the doctors do? Well, they put me on a shitload of prescriptions at the age of 22, because apparently that's what doctors are really good at doing. So they shoved a bunch of prescriptions my way, including painkillers, and that's when I became addicted to my prescriptions. I had felt so much for so long that it felt really good not to feel. And that led to a suicide attempt at the age of 23 as I tried to OD. Needless to say, it was unsuccessful. I came to and found myself saying, oh shit, I'm still here. And I found no support. I found no support getting through this. And that's when I realized I really, I really did want to change. I didn't want to be this way anymore. My marriage was unhappy. My life felt unfulfilling and I was miserable. So I sought out holistic and naturopathic support to wean off my meds. And for those of you who have never tried naturopaths, please do so because they fucking rock. They changed my life. We also started seeing a marriage counselor, but it didn't work. So I left the marriage after five years and found myself single and living on my own for the first time at the age of 26. That's when I started experiencing real freedom. And I used that freedom to go out and party. (laughs) I was discovering myself for the first time. You know, I was going out to nightclubs and really having a great time with my friends. And all this partying led to a career in nightlife. I worked as an event manager and a nightlife promoter. And I soon became the top female promoter in the city. It was a very, very glamorous lifestyle on the outside. But it was super dark on the inside. Everyone in the industry did drugs. Now, I'm going to share something (laughs) with you. I was very naive in my younger years. Very, very naive. And I had only ever seen drugs like cocaine in, in movies like Pulp Fiction. I didn't think it was real life. Like I didn't know that people really did this. And so there I was working in the industry and it soon became very apparent to me that everybody did this. And so it became my norm. And soon enough, it became my addiction, an addiction that I would, would never admit until much later, but it was an addiction for sure. I loved cocaine. It made me feel so fucking powerful. It helped me speak my voice for the first time. It helped me speak my mind. I felt so free, you know, I felt so empowered. And alcohol, alcohol just made me feel like someone that everyone wanted to be around. I felt super fun. You know, I was that girl that would dance on the tables at the club. I was the girl who was always in the DJ booth. I, I was that girl who was just really fucking fun that everyone wanted to be around. I felt really accepted and really understood for the first time in my life. But I was just lost in a sea of lost people. Now, during this time when I was working in nightlife, I was also dating another addict in the industry and things just continued to spiral out of fucking control. In 2012, that's when I found undeniable proof of his infidelity after four and a half years of being with him. It was crazy. 
for anyone who's ever been cheated on, you know, when you're going through the actual relationship, you, you live in denial. And I was living in denial, even though all the signs were there. I mean, all the signs were there in my face. There were people who were telling me stories and, and like they were, they were there, but I denied them. You know, I denied them. And when I found the undeniable proof, that was when I had to leave. I was like, I'm done. But what was crazy about that, about what I found was, I found that he had been cheating on me with over a dozen women and most of which I knew, you know, some of which were my friends. So I felt this whole new layer uh, of betrayal, you know, layers upon layers of betrayal. I felt really lost, really alone and really fucking misunderstood. And this was my fall to the floor moment. You know, that moment where you just fall to the floor and life seems to stop all around you. I found myself singing that same song. Why me? And it was in that moment on the floor when I realized that I had created this. That everything that led to that fall to the floor moment, these were an accumulation of my choices, right? Sure, the guys that I dated were fucking dicks. You know, I chose to date assholes. But I chose to date assholes, right? Keyword being choose. I chose that. I chose the drugs and alcohol. I chose to numb out my pain. I made all these choices when I could have made better choices. And so that fall to the floor moment in 2012 led to the epiphany, which led to my journey of self-discovery. And I started using my power, right? Of, of making better choices. I owned my shit and decided, look, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to make better choices. So I started doing yoga. I started working out. I started eating healthier, but I still partied. I will be honest. I still partied. And that partying turned into binge partying. So I'd be good for four days. And then I would party hard for three days. I hovered at this rock bottom place in 2012. Now, during this time of attempted transformation, and that's what we're calling it, we're calling it attempted transformation, I decided to redesign my vision board because that's just the type of shit you do when you're transforming your life. And I wrote on my vision board that I would be living and working in LA by the end of 2013. Now, again, this was April 2012 when I wrote that and I was living in Vancouver, Canada. This was also the time when my now husband, Kevin, came into my life. And by the way, he's fucking awesome. I wanted a job at his company in LA. I, I saw that as an opportunity to move and, and bring my vision to life. So we connected on Twitter. I entered a contest that his company was throwing and I won. And he reached out to me via email. And we emailed back and forth a few times. He was being very flirtatious. And that led to phone calls, which led to a Skype session. And on that Skype session, there was, there was just something about him. It, it felt so familiar, like, re- like I knew him. It was crazy, but I wasn't ready. Here I was just trying to get my shit together. I couldn't believe that a man like him would want a broken girl like me. He was so out of the norm for me. You know, I I never dated people like him because I never felt worthy of having people like him. So it led to nothing, really. 
I continued to work on myself, hovering at this rock bottom place. But throughout this time, Kevin would text. He would text me and I would just stare at my phone in disbelief that this man had a real interest in me. I'd be like, what the fuck? Why is he still texting? (laughs) It was crazy. I wasn't used to that type of attention. So I went on this journey of attempted transformation. And at the end of 2012, in December, I found myself high at an after hours. This is when I had another major, major life-changing moment. I fainted and I hit the concrete ground head first and was knocked out cold. When I came to, I felt like my entire body had shattered into a million different pieces. I was in so much pain, I couldn't move anything. I refused to go to the hospital and ended up going to the hospital a couple days later, which is when they diagnosed me with a major concussion and post-concussion syndrome. This is when you have concussion symptoms for, for more than a few days or a week. Now, for anyone who has experienced a concussion, you know how horrible and debilitating they can be. For those of you who have never experienced a concussion, let me try and and do my best to explain what happens. So your entire brain is rewired. Your entire brain, all your nerve endings, everything is completely fucking rewired. So your brain isn't working the way that you're, you're used to having it work. I slipped into a manic depressive state, which is when you're so depressed, you can't string thoughts together. You can't string words or sentences together. You're just crying all the fucking time. I was in so much pain. Any type of light would bother my eyes. So I'd have to stay in my apartment with the curtains drawn and sound would give me a massive headache. So I couldn't even put the TV on. So I was just laying in my apartment in this manic depressive state. It it was horrible. It was horrible. With my appointments with the specialist, they were trying to figure out why I was in so much pain for so long. You know, it had been two months. And then finally they discovered that there was actual nerve damage. So they put me on special medication. And and mind you, throughout this time, I was like in forced recovery, right? Like I was forced into sobriety. This concussion forced me into sobriety. And then the medication that they put me on, I wasn't allowed to drink or do drugs. So I started on this medication. And once it started to kick in and things started to feel better, it felt like a cloud had been lifted. And I, I started to think clearly again. And in that moment, like I made this ultimate decision, a decision that You know, the type of decision that you never fucking go back on. I made that type of decision because I realized that the concussion was the universe's way of knocking me off my feet to prove a fucking point. So I decided that I was going to be committed as fuck to this, to this journey, to improving my life, to making better choices, to, to finding out what it was that I was here to do and to fucking do it. Now, at this time when I was starting to feel better at the beginning of 2013, that's when Kevin reached out and asked if, if, you know, he was like, hey, should we give us a shot? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I even surprised myself by saying yes. But that was my way of telling myself that I had the power to experience a different life, a better life. And that was the beginning of, of my, you know, I hate to sound cheesy, but of my happily ever after. 
you know, it's beginning of this new chapter in my life that I've been fucking loving. We got engaged five months later. I moved to LA a few months after that and poof, I had fulfilled my vision board. Now, during this time between 2012 and 2013, I also kept a Tumblr blog and I used that space online to, to own my voice for the first time. So I spoke about what I was going through, all of it, even the ugliest shit. Like I spoke about what I was experiencing. I spoke about, um, you know, the messiness of, of growth. I would upload quotes in the form of Rubyisms. You know, I just, I was sharing very honestly and authentically for the first time in my life because it felt very safe to do so on the internet, which is weird because that's where millions and millions of people could read it, but it felt safe. And people would reach out to me, you know, everyone from these world-renowned DJs that I'd worked with to people I didn't know, to people I did know, people were reaching out to me and, and telling me that they felt less alone after hearing my story, or they now realize that they too can change. You know, there, there was a lot of different people reaching out and that's when I realized that my voice acted as a catalyst for other people's voices. This is my purpose. You know, my purpose is to help people. My purpose is to use my voice and help other people use their voices. My purpose is to, to be a leader in this space and to help other people rise into their purpose, into their leadership. So I went back to school and became a certified life coach. I invested tens of thousands of dollars in myself and my growth so I could fulfill this purpose. So here I am today. I own my voice and I use it unapologetically. I mean, for those of you who've been following me on social media, you know that I, I'm really raw, <laughs> but this is how I create impact. You know, I'm just me. I, I, I spent so much of my life trying to be someone that I wasn't. I spent so much of my life trying to people please, trying to be what people expected me to be, that now it just feels so fucking good to be me, to have pink hair, to have my tattoos, to just express myself in the way that I feel fits who I am. You know, and and today I use my voice to coach other leaders to shift from a life of mediocrity to a life of great meaning. I use my voice on stages and act as a catalyst for other people to create positive impact. And I use my voice online and invite others to use theirs. So because I, I want us to become an army of voices that ignite meaningful change in our world. I, I would love to see that. And what I realized is that my voice is a tool, which means yours is too. So it's, it's time for you to own your voice and create a bigger impact. In fact, I believe that this is your divine responsibility, right? It's your duty to rise above the noise. And this noise that I keep referring to is the noise that we see on fucking social media, right? All these people talking about all the same shit in their own way, but it's, it's the same sugar-coated vanilla cupcake shit. So you need to rise above that noise because as a leader, you're here to influence change and create massive impact. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I was once thinking this too. Who am I to create impact? This is called the imposter syndrome, right? Who am I to do this? Or maybe you're thinking, you know, will people even listen to me? What if people judge me? My answer to you is this. 
Who the fuck cares? Because none of that fucking matters, right? What matters is that you're creating impact because you are not here to be likable. You are not here to be popular. You're here to rise as a leader and create impact. So own your fucking voice and create a bigger impact because this is what you're here to do. Now, my purpose in life is to help you do just that. So I'm going to offer you three tips to create a bigger impact. And I'm going to offer you these tips right now because I want you to leave this podcast episode with something and I want you to integrate these tools now. So grab a pen and something to write on and get ready because this shit's going to be good. So tip number one is something that I say a lot. Own your shit. Own your shit, people. Own your fucking shit. Because in order to create a bigger impact, you've got to own your shit. If I didn't have that fall to the floor moment and and make the decision to own my shit in that moment, I wouldn't be where I am today. I would still be stuck in that toxic loop, in that cycle, right? I would still be going after the wrong men. I would still be numbing out my pain. But I decided to own my shit, take ownership for what I was doing. And within that ownership came the power to create change. So you need to own the way in which you're showing up. You need to take ownership for the actions that you're taking and not taking because you and only you are responsible for the way in which you live your life. You cannot control the actions, thoughts, and words of others, right? That, that's something you cannot do. And for those of you who are trying to do that, stop. You're just going to drive yourself insane. You cannot control the actions, thoughts, and words of others. And sometimes you may not even be able to control your circumstances, but pointing the finger placing blame and making excuses for where you are is only holding you back. So own your shit. Take responsibility for how you're showing up. Control what's controllable and change what needs to be changed in order for you to step up and create a bigger impact. Own your shit, people. Own your shit. Now, tip number two, use your voice. And again, Spitting out the same shit that other people are saying, that's not going to create impact. It only adds to the noise. So if you really want to rise above that noise, you've got to use your voice and create impact your way. For example, I say fuck a lot. You know how many people have emailed me or messaged me or written on my Facebook page about how it's, you know, it's not acceptable or it's not graceful or I take away from my wisdom. Yeah, people say this shit to me because I use the word fuck. But I do it because it's me. This is who I am. And by trying to quiet that down, I am then just showing a piece of me. And I'm just doing what everyone else is doing. So I choose to own my to use my voice in a way that feels authentic to me. And you've got to do that too, right? You've got to use your voice. Choose to honor your voice and your truth. You know, what's true to you? What's true for you? Choose to use your voice as a catalyst to motivate and empower other people. Choose to use your voice as a tool to create impact, but do it in a raw, real, and authentic way. 
Now, the number one reason why leaders hesitate to use their true voice is due to the desire to be likable. But let's just get one thing straight. You're not here to be likable. You're here to create impact. I had this one client who was so, you know, playing it so small. She's this bold as fuck fucking unicorn. And she just wasn't putting all of who she was in in her posts, in her writing, in, in what she was putting out there in the world. And she was just delivering like a lot of the cookie cutter shit that other people do. And that was keeping her playing this really small game. She wasn't reaching the level of success that she wanted. And through working together and, and gaining that confidence to really just be who she is, she is now experiencing so much success in what she does. But not just that, she now feels so much more fulfilled and more at ease because she's just showing up and being her every, every single fucking day, right? When you're so busy living your life with a mask on, it causes a lot of anxiety because you're not being who you are. So use your voice loud enough for everyone to hear. Tip number three, be resilient as fuck. I love resiliency. In fact, I believe it's my superpower because no matter what happens to me in my life, no matter how many times I fall, no matter how many rock bottoms I experience, I get back up every single time. So let's be honest, right? You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fuck up. But none of that matters as long as you're showing up and creating the impact that you're here to create. Not everyone's going to like you. In fact, some people are probably going to even hate you. But that doesn't fucking matter. What matters is that you're rising up into true leadership and creating an impact. You're going to experience days when you wake up and you feel like you're on fire. You're so inspired. You're motivated. Everything's going right. And you're putting content out and things are going really well. But then you're also going to experience days where you feel totally uninspired, where you don't feel like being seen, where you don't feel like posting on social media. But you've got to continue to show up and create impact because that's what you're here to do. So when shit hits the fan get back up. And when shit hits the fan again, get back up again. When it comes to doing what you're here to do, you've got to be resilient as fuck. I mean, Oprah is the perfect example of resiliency, everything that she's been through in her life to create the empire that she's created. I mean, she is resilient as fuck. And that's what it takes. You've got to own your voice and be resilient as fuck if you want to create a bigger impact. The truth is, you were born to own your voice and create massive impact. In fact, everything that you've experienced in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, has equipped you with what you need to create this massive impact. This is what you're here to do. So fucking own it. Les Brown says that in every day, there are 1,440 minutes. That means we have 1,440 daily opportunities to make a positive impact. 
So go out there and fucking do it. Thank you so much for checking out today's podcast. I'm so happy that you chose to listen to this and uh, that you don't mind all the (laughs) F-bombs. If you dig the vibe, be sure to hit subscribe and share this with a friend. Because as they say, sharing is caring. And FYI, don't forget to leave a review. This is Ruby Fremont, and I will be back next week with a brand new episode of Love Punch.